scheduled the storm more appropriately yesterday with a story like this. I mean, some of you were caught in it. I, I've heard from a couple of you who were caught on I-4 in the middle of the gale wind force, the gale force winds, and uh, maybe some of you were caught on the bridges. Imagine, just imagine what it would have been like to have been out in the middle of the Gulf in a fishing boat in a storm like that. Well, that's exactly where we find the disciples in this reading today. As we're following the way that leads us toward the cross and the resurrection, uh, Adam Hamilton, our tour guide in our small groups, takes us this week to the Sea of Galilee. In fact, on the video in our small groups, you'll be seeing the sea and the fishing boats on it. The, uh, the unique thing about the Sea of Galilee is that it sits 700 feet below sea level, the, the lowest freshwater body on the planet. And the winds from Mount Hermon can sweep down across the Sea of Galilee and churn it into a violent storm on a moment's notice. And that's what happens in this story. The wind comes down from the mountain, whips up the water on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples, and Mark records, there was a great windstorm and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was ready to be swamped. It's that moment, the moment when the boat is just about to sink, that Rembrandt caught in his painting of this scene. Some of you will be familiar with this. It's a very powerful painting. If you can look, if, you're, if you get a chance to look it up or look closely at it, the boat is tipping over the sail almost into the water. The waves are splashing up over the side of the sea. And if you can see it more clearly, all 12 disciples are there with Jesus. You, you can count them. And there's one in particular right here, sort of in the front of the boat, desperately hanging on for dear life. And he's the only disciple in the boat who looks out toward us. And we can see his face, helpless with fear. And art historians recognize the face of that disciple. It's the face of Rembrandt himself. The artist painted himself into the boat in the middle of the storm. And sooner or later, all of us, all of us are in the same boat. Well, we have a guy here in the congregation who, uh, who flies into storms. Harris Halverson is going to come up. Uh, Harris, come on up here and grab a microphone from Vicki on the way. I want you to meet Harris because uh, this is what he does. Thanks for doing this, Harris. Uh, tell us what you do and how long you've been doing it. Well, Jim, I'm currently the commanding officer at NOAA's Aircraft Operations Center here at McDowell Air Force Base. So we have uh, 10 aircraft there, but our most visible mission to the public is hurricane hunting. So we do hurricane research and hurricane reconnaissance, looking where the storms are, the intensity for in support of the National Hurricane Center. And I've been doing this since uh, about 2000 when I competed at uh, inter-service transfer from the Navy uh, as a P-3 pilot. And you told me how many, how many flights into hurricanes you've done. I've done uh, 157 times, so I know my wife's probably not too, she'd be glad when I stop doing this, but. Yeah, this is your idea of a good time, right? <laughs> so, wow. So, um, 
why do you do this? I mean, why do you go, we're all running away from the hurricane, you're flying into it. Why do you do this? Well, I spent most of my youth in the Tampa Bay region here. I went to St. Petersburg Lakewood, Lakewood High School. Uh, I've always been fascinated by the ocean, by hurricanes, by marine creatures. I went to the Naval Academy, graduated with a degree in oceanography. And then it's just a neat job. I mean, we can be out there and we can, you know, better predict the intensity, better predict the track of the storm, where the storm's going for the people of this congregation, the people of the Tampa Bay region, and the, the people of the United States. So the key is you got to listen, listen and evacuate. I know that gets a little frustrating when people don't listen. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got the word now. By the way, this is going to come up later in the sermon. When Harris tells you to get out, get out, okay? So, um, okay, so tell us about going through the storm. I mean, this has got to be, this has got to be a puke bag ride through the hurricane into the center. What's it like? Uh, it can get rough. I, I won't, uh, <laughs> won't uh, deny that. But uh, I guess the way I picture it or visualize it, if you've ever been whitewater rafting or seen whitewater rafting on TV, if you can sort of visualize the airplane as a little cork going down the, the whitewater rapids. So you're up and down a lot and a lot of up and down. And we've flown with quite a few people that have thrown up for about eight hours, but. Again, this is your idea of a good time. Uh, okay, so there's all this rough ride through the hurricane. Now I've heard people talk about the, the calm in the eye of the storm. I mean, is that really there? What, what happens when you get in there? It is. I mean, you get through the, and you can see the picture on the monitor there, but it's, that's a beautiful cat, Category 5 hurricane there. So once you get through the eye wall or you get maybe 200-mile-an-hour winds and heavy rain and torrential downpours, and then you bust into the eye, it's a pretty surreal experience there when you're there, and you can see the blue sky above you. And in the exact center of the hurricane is zero wind. So we find that, that portion. We drop an instrument into the storm, and that's where it's actually zero wind there, and we send that to the hurricane center that can better predict where the storm is. Wow, really quiet, still, dead calm in the center of the storm, right? Wow. Uh, so you're a Christian, you're a faithful person. How has all of this experience uh, helped you in any way understand your faith and to face some of the metaphorical storms in your life? I think a lot of it is um, preparation. We prepare a lot. We just don't get in the plane and go flying. We do a lot of studying and preparation before we go in the storm, whether it's uh, that day or that night. And I think same thing with here with, you know, small groups. I'm in a small group or Bible study or going through this current series now, preparing and trusting in God. Going forward, I've been through some tough times in my life when my dad passed away when I was 15 and my mom passed away a few years ago. So there's been probably two tough times in my life, but I got through it and it was it was tough, but it uh, definitely my faith helped me. Great. What else would you like us to know about flying through swarms? <laughs> Anything else? Come along. Take me <laughs> along. <laughs> okay, you got the invitation. You don't fly with him, do you? No, okay. His wife doesn't fly with him, but if you want to. So, hey, thanks so much, Harris. That's great. Thank you. Okay, so here's the truth. Most of you are not going to take up that invitation. Most of you are not going to fly with him into the middle of the storm. And, and I seriously doubt that any of us are going to be an artist like Rembrandt. And yet, sooner or later, every one of us finds ourselves 
in the storm, in the midst of the storm. Uh, last Sunday, we, we heard that parable that Jesus told about the wise builder and the foolish builder. The wise builder built his house on the rock. The foolish builder built the house on the sand. And then with exactly the same words, Jesus describes the storm. The winds come, the rain fall, they beat against the house. Jesus says exactly the same storm hit the houses of both the wise builder and the foolish builder. But the wise builder's house stood because it was on the rock. The foolish builder's house fell because it was on the sand. But it was the same storm. Which is at least to suggest that all of us are going to face the storms. Sometimes, as Harris said, sometimes the, storm, the storms come into our lives the way a hurricane comes because of his work uh, with warning. We watch it. We can see the direction it's headed. We can estimate when it's going to hit it. And if we are wise, we're going to get out of the way. I, I live on Davis Island. We're, we're the first people out if the storm's coming. There are, there are those storms for which we can prepare, but even then, after the storm hits, there are still the scars, the broken places, the bruises that are left on our lives. Other times, the storms come without any warning, totally unexpected. The ruthless interruption into the ordinary pattern of our lives. Who, who would have predicted an airplane disappearing into the Gulf? Who, well, should have expected a mudslide into the river in Washington? Who, who anticipates the heart attack that comes without warning? The car that swerves off the highway and hits the bicycle on the side of the road? Who, who predicts? Sometimes Sometimes they come totally without warning. They come in different ways, with different names, at different times in our lives. But the truth about your life and the truth about mine is that sooner or later, we will all find ourselves in the storm. The, the question is not whether we escape the storm, but whether we will have the faith to face them. So let me just be as brutal, as blunt as I can be. I do not believe. I do not believe the people that try to tell us that if we just have faith, we'll be protected from the storms, we'll be immune from pain and suffering, and we'll probably get rich along the way. I, I don't believe any of those folks. And I don't believe the folks who try to tell me that God chooses and causes every storm. I do not believe that God sends a hurricane to a particular city to teach those people a lesson. I do not believe that God always has a reason for every storm that comes into our lives. But I do believe, and I will risk everything I know about the Bible and the Christian faith to say that God will be with us.
in the storm. Just the way God was present with those disciples in the midst of that storm on the Sea of Galilee. There, there's nothing unusual about fishermen going out at night to fish. Nothing unusual about the storms coming down from Mount Hermon. What is unusual about this story is the presence of the living Christ. Jesus present with them. So while the disciples are scared to death, Mark records Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. Talk about, talk about calm in the middle of the storm. Harris, don't go to sleep when you're in the eye of the hurricane, okay? But talk about calm in the middle of the storm. And so the disciples wake him up and they say, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning here? They, they thought Jesus didn't care. The truth is that Jesus was not afraid. And so Mark says, he woke up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace. Be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. Calm. The quiet space in the eye of the storm. And in the silence, Jesus asked, what the disciples must have thought was the craziest question they had ever heard. Jesus asked, why are you afraid? And before they could say, Jesus, why shouldn't we be afraid? Jesus said, do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Uh, the question is not whether the storms will come. The question is whether we will have the faith to endure them. The question is not whether the winds will blow. The question is whether we will have nurtured the kind of relationship with God so that in the midst of the storm, we know that God is with us. The critical question is whether Jesus will have become for us what T.S. Eliot called the still point in a turning world, the source of calm in the midst of the storm. I, uh, I can't prove this, but I like to imagine that when Mark was writing this story, maybe, maybe in the back of his mind, he heard the words of that 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains should shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be 
moved. God will help it when morning dawns. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The, the good news of the gospel is not that we will always escape every storm. The good news of the gospel is that we will always know the presence of God made flesh among us in Jesus Christ. You remember last Christmas? Christmas, we celebrated the birth of this Jesus by naming him Emmanuel. The word means God is with us. We said that at Christmas. But now, now on our way through Lent, now when we can see the cross and the tomb looming out on the horizon, now we begin to know what it means to say that Jesus is God with us. He is God with us. Womb to tomb, birth to earth, beginning to end the whole way through our journey. Jesus is God with us. In the garden, when we hear him pray, Father, take this cup away from me. He is God with us. When we see him in the judgment hall, absorbing the abuse of injustice and evil. He is God with us. When he cries out on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is God with us. When he is laid in the tomb with the hope and promise of resurrection, he is God with us in and through every storm. That's, that's who Jesus is. I cannot promise that you will escape every storm, but I can promise that you can know the presence of the living Christ in the midst of that storm. But the question the question that continues to haunt every follower of Jesus. Why? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It at least suggests that the faith that sees us through the storm is not something you pick up at Home Depot with your plywood and your duct tape the day before the storm arrives. The faith that sees us through the storm is not something we discover as we evacuate out onto the parking lot called I-4. The faith that sees us through the storm is faith that is nurtured over time. It's the kind of faith that is born out of deep wrestling with Scripture. It's faith that grows out of a consistent life of 
prayer and reflection and spiritual discipline. It's the kind of faith that is nurtured in community with other disciples who encourage us, challenge us, hold us accountable for our discipleship. It is the kind of faith that nurtured over time is there for us to draw on when the storm comes. Ah, they will, they will come, you know, in one way or another. So the question is, do you still have no faith? And so, may, may the spirit of the Jesus who calmed the storm both in the water and in the lives of the disciples be the one who calms us in the midst of every storm. As we, as we begin to trust in him.